Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to another edition of the How to Bet the Preakness Stakes podcast, episode two. What a winner thinks. And on Monday, after discussing Kentucky Derby Hangover with a couple of people, yours truly included, who did not have uh, the Derby winner nor any sort of semblance of a winning Kentucky Derby ticket, I'm looking forward to talking with uh, Joe Christofek, uh, my sometimes partner in crime at Churchill Downs in Arlington, uh, about his derby day, which included not only having the winner, but also uh, using that opinion to benefit at the windows. And to me, uh, a big part of any how-to-bet discussion, whether uh, on a macro basis of how to approach the game in general or micro basis of a specific race, like the Preakness, uh, it's not just about finding the winner uh, or the likely winners, uh, but also uh, betting the, that opinion uh, correctly. So looking forward to talking with Joe about that. Obviously, the Derby and Preakness, two very different races and dynamics with the field sizes and how the race is bet. Uh, so I'll be curious to get Joe's thoughts on that. And with no further ado, uh, we'll get it going. Joe, how are you? Well, maybe we'll get it going. Uh, Joe, when you're there, just pipe in. Um, be good to to chat at that point. Uh, so while we're waiting, uh, the draw is today, 5 o'clock, uh, so we won't have the post positions, and the purpose of this call is not to uh, handicap the race per se anyway. Uh, but... On tomorrow's uh, episode three, we will discuss uh, winners and losers from the post draw and how that may or may not affect uh, your wagering strategy. Uh, so we'll see what happens there. And, you know, the, with the Preakness, I, I don't think the draw is as important uh, at Pimlico as it is at Churchill. Uh, Pimlico, you deal with, uh, yeah, it's a shorter run to the first turn, but uh, I don't think you could really get that buried wide uh, unless you're way far outside. Um, and, uh, you know, the rail isn't as bad either. Uh, there's not that little lip, so to speak. Uh, so, yeah, you know, but, I mean, it's interesting. There's some pace dynamics to think about uh, with Always Dreaming and Conquest Mo Money seemingly, uh, you know, whenever seemingly the only – uh, pace in the race, so where they draw uh, be somewhat interesting. Uh, but, you know, I, I just I don't think it's it's a big deal to draw, so I'm not worried about not being able to have that information uh, when discussing the race with Joe. Uh, so we'll let Joe get into the specifics of why he played how he did, but for those who haven't seen his ticket in the Derby, uh, he basically keyed on Always Dreaming, who was his, his top pick to win the race, and used a bunch underneath. And that that was a mistake I made um, in my derby strategy. Um, a, I wasn't going to win anyway because Classic Empire and Irish War Cry were the two I needed to win. Uh, but I definitely, you know, got got sucked into sort of the extremes. Uh, if it chalked out, I wanted to make sure I actually won uh, this year, unlike the previous two years uh, where I was on the right horses. But, you know, the, the trifecta last year with 
it being the top two choices in order, paid very little. And uh, even the year before that, uh, loving American Pharaoh uh, would have been much better off just betting him across the board um, versus what I did when I uh, hit the trifecta and lost money. And same with last year, uh, hit hit the try and, and lost money overall in the race because um, I put a lot into it chasing a, a big payoff. So, uh, you know, this year I, I kind of wanted to cover myself if the two horses I really like both ran well. Uh, I didn't want to, you know, put 500 hours into something that was going to come back 200. Uh, but at the same time, uh, on my spread tickets, I pretty much used them all. And, yeah, I, I can understand, and I bought into it, the the wisdom of, well, anyone can finish fourth or almost anyone can finish third. The reality is, you, you know, we've, we've, you look at the races and you, you have opinions. And, you know, I liked a, a couple horses. I liked them enough to use them that were, you know, 30, 40 to 1, State of Honor being one of them. Uh, Taproot really didn't take a lot of money. Um, you know, so, so those were the horses that I should have just staked my claim and said, hey, if one of these bombs – runs well these these are the these are the ones I need to run well, but instead um you know i'm I'm spending ten twenty dollars to have fast and accurate and forth to have Gervin and forth, who was never winning given his training and probably never running well enough to be third, given his training into the race uh I'm spending money on thunder snow who you know, I'm very against the trip from Dubai, and yeah, that's on the win end, and second and third is a lot different, but uh, the the fact remains that, um, you know, I, I spent money on horses I gave very little chance to relative to other horses, um, so that was a mistake I made in the Derby. Uh, Joe uh, used a bunch, but he eliminated some too, so I think that was a, a key to his success. So, you know, we'll we'll talk about that and learn from it, though, because the Preakness is uh, only 10 horses. So you're dealing with half the field. That's 90 exact combinations versus 180 in the Derby. Uh, you know, it's, it's just a huge difference. And um, 720 trifecta combinations versus uh, many more. Uh, in the Derby, and uh, to me that, you know, it's a lot cheaper to use them all, uh, which some people do, uh, but at the same time, uh, that deludes your payoffs, and I, I think it's important to, to have a strong opinion, so um, we'll uh, we'll discuss that with, with Joe as well, uh, the difference, but uh, no, no surprise for me, uh, regardless of what happens in the draw, uh, definitely going to be uh, against Always Dreaming, and uh, I just can't take even money after not liking him as the favorite in the Derby. Uh, but I certainly can't begrudge people like Joe or James who uh, are willing to run him back. I think if you run him in the Derby uh, and 9-2 to is a great price given how he ran, uh, then there's no reason to get off him. But for me, there's enough questions that I'm not going to take that kind of price again. Uh, all right, I think we have Joe back. Uh, user error on my part, uh, no surprise, uh, but we will bring Joe on. Hopefully, are you there? Um, you tell me, am I here? You're here, existentially and literally. <laughs> I thought it was a problem with my microphone the whole time, but yeah, good uh, good to hear your voice and, uh, and responding to me on the other end. 
Yes, uh, great. Well, uh, I kind of set, set the, the table uh, for, for our discussion, um, you know, basically hinting at your derby success, which those who uh, follow your picks at Churchill or uh, follow you online or both, hopefully, uh, know well anyway. But, uh, you know, to me, the, the derby to Preakness uh, buildup is, is always interesting because if you have a, a big derby, uh, you know, you have – some bankroll in play, and you're excited to, to get to Pimlico. And if you're like me, uh, which unfortunately has been the last few years, uh, you're you're looking for redemption and uh, you know licking your chops to hopefully uh, make up for for derby losses. So that's the boat I'm in. Uh, but you have a, a a little better success story, and uh, I thought you played the race great. You had your uh, strong opinion. You pressed it on top and uh, got the right horses underneath. And I was saying before you came on, my mistake is I, I definitely took a anyone-could-finish-third approach, uh, spent way too much money on horses I didn't like in third, and uh, you eliminated some, and it was a big key to your success. Would you agree? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I played $600 total into the race, and the ticket – that I hit the try on was a two by 14 by 14. So it was always dreaming in McCracken. And I basically, like you said, Ed, I eliminated six horses um, in second and third. And that was just one of, you know, several tickets that I bet I pressed harder on my stronger opinions, hoping to hit multiple times or hoping to hit a $10 exact with a decent price horse in second. And again, you know, even when you have success, you have regrets. You know, not playing the Oaks Derby double that paid $150 uh, was definitely a regret. And not maybe pooling some money so I could, you know, extend my trifecta ticket into a superfecta ticket or even a super high five because I had all the numbers. But, you know, you've got to have the bankroll to do that. I was happy with the way it turned out, obviously. And, um, you know, I agreed with you to an extent. I had a strong opinion for first, but I thought after the – top spot that anyone could run almost anyone could run second and third and the way it played out you know you had a big price in second you had a big price in third and that's what made the payoffs for everybody that had always dreaming on top so it was a good strategy but it, at the same time it also just worked out well yeah and i think part of the the reason the the strategy you know able to eliminate even a few which uh you know saves saves money and like you said you were able to press elsewhere um with, with the capital uh you know i i wonder i wish I, I had a tool that allowed me to look it up i do wonder what that trifecta pays with say uh fast and accurate in third um now i'm sure it pays more but i don't really know that it pays as much more as it should given the likelihood of him being there versus a battle of midway and i think part of it is you know people like me think well if anyone can finish third and you know i basically bet battle of midway and fast and accurate the same and that that was in, that was an incorrect strategy clearly battle of midway was more likely to finish third than fast and accurate um and you know being able to eliminate and take advantage of that inefficiency paid off for people like you who who hit yeah, I mean, obviously, if I would have went two by 20 by 20, it would have cost me a lot more money. So, you know, 
the whole goal in all of this, whether you're playing the fifth race on a twilight Thursday night at Churchill, or you're playing the Kentucky Derby is to maximize your bankroll and also, you know, bet according to your opinions. And sometimes in a 20 horse race, when you're trying to, you know, you're trying for a big score in a race where there could potentially be a lot of chaos, you know, you're, you're really swinging for the fences, uh, in, in such cases. And it, 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 it's going to come down to what you have to spend and what your opinions are and how you potentially take advantage of them. I would have been fine with the tickets that I bet had I not won. I mean, obviously I would have been disappointed if I had, you know, the top two and then one of the six horses I didn't use ran third and it paid the same and I didn't have it. Uh, but it was circumstantial and I was, you know, feeling really good about my opinions going in. Like, you know, at this point we all should, but you can't control the gate break. You can't control the first turn, um, but you can't control the way you bet. So, you know, you, you have to feel good about how you're using your money and the resources that you have and then let the horses fall where they may, so to speak. Yeah, agreed 100%. Uh, and now we do shift focus to the Preakness. And, you know, your ticket, you mentioned you were two uh, by 14, by 14, which, uh, you know, 13 horses can finish second after your winner, and then you have 12 and, and third. Uh, any of those spots is more horses than that will be in the Preakness total. Uh, so definitely, uh, like, like you literally could go two by all by all in the Preakness, and it would be a cheaper ticket. Uh, but you know, not sure how practical that is. Uh, just depending on who you like, I guess if you you loved a, a big price, you could really shoot for the moon. But you know, the logical seem logical. Again, uh, how do you recalibrate from a race like the Derby, where it, it just makes so much sense to go for the big score? because it's one of the few races where you can count on it if a price comes in to a race like the Preakness, which A, has been so formful throughout the year, uh, throughout the years, and B, uh, has that shorter field and less big score potential. Yeah, you know me as well as anybody, Ed, when it comes to how I approach races and to an extent how I approach wagering. I'm not a huge stats guy. I think the stats are important, but I think every race is – its own animal and should be approached as such. But, you know, the Preakness stats and the horses that have won, there's no denying it. I mean, 13 of the last 16 Preakness winners uh, were three to one or less. Nine of those were post-time favorites. Last year, Exaggerator was five to two, second choice behind Nyquist. And I don't see this being any different. I mean, it looks to me like it's always dreaming classic empire and then everybody else. So how do you go about constructing your ticket and maximizing your opportunity to, you know, potentially have a solid return on investment if your opinions are right. Uh, I, I, I remember specifically the Belmont stakes a couple of years ago where American Pharaoh went off at three to five frosted was four to one. Materiality was five to one. I faded him. I completely hated him. You had Keen Ice seventeen to one. Moved to Hitch fourteen to one. And basically, my strategy that day was I went one by two by three uh, on a lot of tickets, and one by one by three. I mean, I just really narrowed it down. 
And the trifecta for $2 paid a hundred bucks. So for a dollar, it paid 50 bucks, you know, with American Pharaoh frosted and keen ice and move to edge was just a neck back and forth. I mean, it's amazing even still in a race like that with only an eight horse field that you can still with the top two favorites running one, two cash, a dollar trifecta that pays 50 bucks, but just have it many, 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 many times. So it's a different approach than the two by 14 by 14, but you're still maximizing your bankroll based on your opinion. Yeah. And, and uh, to me, uh, that's, Absolutely the key. I mean, did you say you were one by three by three? Yeah, I played a bunch of different tickets. So I was one by one by three, you know, Pharaoh, Frosted, and then Keen Ice moved to Hidge. And I think I may have used Made from Lucky in third. Um, and then one by two by three. Um, and then I maybe one by three by two. But just, you know, and you play more on your stronger opinion. So I think the one by two by three was my strongest ticket, but I think in the end I wound up hitting the try for 60 bucks. And I think I only played maybe 150 into it. So, you know, you're hitting that try 30 times, uh, you know, times a hundred, you're, you're, you're making, you're making or times 50, excuse me. You're still making a really nice score. You're still five or six times your investment and you have to take what the race gives you. Right. I mean, that's the way it played out, but the opinions were strong. It ran very formfully, and, you know, you play 150 bucks and you get back pretty much, you know, 1200 1500 on your return. Yeah, and, and to me, uh, you know, as, as you let in with, with the Preakness or the, the top two, you know, have proven, um, especially among this group, uh, to be the, the most talented. And, yeah, looking at Lee finished ahead of Classic Empire in the Derby, but, uh, you know, on, on balance of, of their careers uh, and what happened in the Derby, uh, I'm willing to say I think Classic Empire is the better animal. Um, but at the same time, I've seen some stats, and we have a story uh, in our Brisnet Wagering Guide that will be out later this week, uh, you know, as, as much as the Derby has been formful lately with the five favorites uh, and the one-two exacta last year, uh, and Pimlico is, with the stats you noted, certainly a formful race as well, uh, the one-two exacta in the Preakness uh, doesn't come to pass uh, as often. Uh, and to me, uh, that's something to keep in mind. Uh, if, you you know, don't force it, don't say, well, I need to find a long shot. I mean, if, if you don't like one, figure out a different way to express that opinion. But, uh, you know, to me, having some Gunavera interest with him su supposedly looking better than he did Derby Week, maybe getting a fast track, um, he might be one I use. But uh, th that's a big issue uh, for me with this race is, you know, I don't, I definitely am willing to bet against it being chalk, chalk up top. Uh, so at that point, who do you use uh, in between? And I don't ask that question because I want an answer from you now about who you're going to use in this race. But just from what you know of the field, is there, do you sort of in your mind have a comfort level where you think, okay, there's two or three horses in the 10, 20 to one range I want to use? 
Yeah, well, I mean, when you just look at the race, there's there's not a lot of pace in it. I mean, it's always dreaming and conquest mo money, and then a bunch of stalkers and deep closers. I mean, I think Classic Empire is going to sit closer. You know, obviously we don't know where he would have been positioned in the Derby had he gotten a clean uh, clean break, but he's more tactical than most of these. Um, I'm fading Gunavera. This is his fifth race in 15 weeks, and he's a deep closer. I think he's going to have a, have a tough time. I think looking at league at a dream run in the Derby, I will be using him prominently, but not as prominently as uh, Conquest Mo Money, probably hence who didn't get the cleanest trip. Cloud Computing's horse I'll be using um, a little bit more prominently. Uh, and then probably fading the rest of them. I don't like Term of Art. I don't like Senior Investment. I don't like Multiplier. So I'm looking at pretty much that same kind of strategy as the Belmont a few years ago where, you know, maybe one by four by four, uh, one by four by five, maybe one by two by four, you know, and then just and weighting it based on the opinion and trying to hit it more times if the horses you like one, two, three come in in that specific order. Uh, if you're going to use that approach, though, you can't spread too much because if you're going, you know, one by six by seven or two by six by seven, then you're investing too much money for your potential return on investment. Unless you like some of the long shots equally to some of the favorites, then maybe that's your strategy. But it's all about your strategy, maximizing your budget based on your opinion. And uh, that's pretty much how I'm going to attack it. I don't see a lot of speed. So Conquest Mo Money will be uh, prominent in my tickets. Not because I think he's a better horse than looking at Lee or Gunavera, just because I think that's the way the race is kind of going to kind of play out. Yeah, hard, hard to ignore. He's uh, the, the praise presence along with the Derby winner. And it, it sounds like uh, we can finalize Saturday in person at Churchill, but it sounds like we can, uh, you and I need to have a Gunavera cloud computing head to head. Uh, yeah, I'd be up for that. I mean, I think cloud computing is probably going to be what he's going to be 20 to one and Gunavera is probably going to be 10 again, maybe 12. I mean, no, you think, you think that high, uh, you know, if there's that much a difference, we'll have to figure out a, a way to equalize it. But I, I think they will be pretty close to each other. Yeah, it'll be interesting because what are you going to get three to five on Always Dreaming and five to two on Classic Empire? You know, maybe maybe four to five and three to one. I mean, that that's about as high right. as either one of those. And then everybody else, right? Looking at Lee, maybe six to one. Everybody else, ten, twelve, fifteen, twenty, thirty, fifty. Uh, it's 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 not a balanced race as far as odds go. But like you said earlier, Ed, it's all about you know your opinions and. Hey, if you like those long shots and you think Always Dreaming and Classic Empire for whatever reason aren't going to be in the money, then you play the race the way you want to play it. And if you're right, you know, you're going to get paid for it. If you're not, you know, at least you took a swing, you know, approaching the race the way you wanted to approach it. Yeah, I would almost, uh, like, for me, if I were kicking around the thought that both favorites could run out, I I personally would not split hairs between the rest of the field, and I'd probably punt on the other eight and say, look, if if these two are going to run duds, if you really think that, which I don't, but I'm either boxing the eight for 56 and not 
ripping up tickets because, you know, term of art somehow ran the race of his life. And, you know, Gunnavero was second. Because to me, if the, if the top two run out and you don't have a strong opinion of who's going to run well of all the others, that is a situation. And I don't like boxing horses, and I don't really like using that many anyway. But I feel to me like the board is going to be so weighted toward the top two that if you did have that thought that both are not going to run well, um you know, why, you know, spend the extra 20 and just make that your opinion, not on any one particular horse or several yeah. horses. No, I would agree with that. I mean, I think the way you do it, Ed, and the way, you know, a lot of sophisticated players do it, you know, you rate your horses A, B, and C, and that's kind of your opinion. Uh, you're, you're keying off your A's. You're utilizing your B's more often but you're also using your C's, kind of building your ticket out, you know, in a normal race. And the Derby was a little different because, you know, outside of McCracken and always dreaming, I didn't have, I mean, if I would have sent you my grid, I might've had 10 horses in the B, right? So in that particular instance, I went two by 14 by 14 and rated my horses equally in second and third on that particular ticket. But in a normal race, I might go, you know, in a normal derby, I might go two by six by 10, you know, because I have stronger opinions on those six horses than I do on the other four that I'm throwing in for third, or in some instances, you know, maybe you're throwing an all ball in for third. And again, what portion of your bankroll are you betting uh, on a ticket like that compared to, you know, a more focused ticket on an exacta, uh, or just betting the horse that you like to win, place, and show. You know, win, place, and show are completely out of the equation for me in the Preakness. Exactas, I think, are completely out of the equation for me as well. So then what does it come down to? It comes down to the try or maybe even, you know, trying to stretch it out to the superfecta, which, you know, in the Derby, what was the difference? It was the difference between 4,000 uh, – and 75,000, you know, for a 50 cent bet versus a dollar bet in the super for basically having a logical the horse. The fourth in the place horse was, was classic empire. Right. A very logical. I mean, the second or third, third, fourth favorite, I mean, right there as the second choice in the race. So if you have the bankroll in the Derby, and I've said this time and time again, you've got to spread to the super, but the $1 increment increment makes it that much tougher to do, you know, you're utilizing your bankroll in the super and then all of a sudden you miss the super, but hit the try and get nothing. You know, that's always the fear, but I mean, we're talking about the Preakness here and it's a completely different strategy, at least from my camp. Yeah. And, and I do believe the Preakness has dime supers too. So that sort of deludes things. Uh, you know, it's a lot easier for people to, to make that next step with, with logical horses. Uh, I'm sort of with you. I, I think, uh, you know, the, the try is a sweet spot because you, you, you can get uh, maybe even you, with the try, you get two spots where if you're against, one of the two favorites, which I think in this case it, it makes sense. I mean, so the way people are going to play this race, uh, to me, uh, I feel like you, you got to take a stand and, and figure out, you know, how how you beat one of them. I just don't see how there's any money to be made 
you know, if it comes always streaming, Classic Empire, or even vice versa with the longer price on top, uh, just everyone has those tickets. So um, as much as I don't like always streaming at four to five, is sort of a horse I'm going to use in the A column. Um, you know, for me, with Gunavera, a horse I'm interested in, and, and we'll see how the field shakes out and who actually gets bent. Hence would be another one probably next on my list. Like, if, if it came always streaming, hence Gunavera, I would want to have that ticket. I feel like my opinion on the, the two closers is strong enough where it's not worth not having it, even though maybe an underlaid favorite won, underlaid in my opinion. Whereas if Classic Empire wins, then it can be a little spread, more spread underneath, and, you know, then I'll be willing to take a cloud computing or, um, you know, multiplier. Horses I um, don't like as much, but to me, Classic Empire is the, the strong opinion in, in that regard. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think you have to decide for yourself whether or not you think it's more of a spread race or whether or not it's more of a focused race. Um, and, that, and, and that is predicated on your opinion and then maximizing it in your bankroll. So say I spend, and let's just you know, arbitrarily say uh, two or $300 on the Preakness trifecta, there's going to be an opportunity for me to hit something for 50 bucks. So if I hit a trifecta that goes always dreaming classic empire hence, and that trifecta comes back, say $60 on a $2 ticket, say 30 bucks for a dollar. And again, that's, that's just throwing a number out there. You know, I'm going to have that 25 or 30 times, you know, and I'm probably, you know, going to maybe throw my other tickets out or some of my other tickets out. So depending on my bankroll, this, this to me, Ed, is honestly a race where if I can make four or five times my money, I'm not going to do that in the win pool. I'm not going to do that in the exacta pool. But I think it's an easy enough race to handicap, at least from my perspective, where if I bet two or 300 into it and get 1,000 back or 800 back, and I come out of it saying, man, that was easy, like, I have no problem with that. You know, to me, it's, to, to me, it might be a really, really focused race. Like I said, um, in the trifecta and not screwing around with too many combinations, hoping something happens, you know, I'm either going to be right or I'm going to be wrong in this one. And if I'm, if I'm right, then I want to have to try many, 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 many times versus having something that pays a little bit better, you know, five times. It's just, it's just not, not the way I'm going to approach it. I'm I'm with you. Uh, you know, to me, just because I I don't like always dreaming enough, where I'm gonna I'm gonna need to have something 25 to 50 times. Um, but I do think that's the right approach if you like those two. Um, you know, so and we didn't we didn't talk a lot about multi-race wagers, and we don't know the rest of the field, so I don't really want to get too deep into that. Um, but, I mean, to me that, you know, I'll play horizontally. It's sort of the right angle play with these big races. I'll play horizontally, and then on the Preakness I'll drop down um, so, you know, it looks like a right angle. Uh, but, you know, Classic Empire will be a horse I lean on in the Maltese, and that's win only. So it's not as big an issue. 
you know, what you think could happen underneath. And then when I get to the Preakness itself, like I said, um, you know, if I think Gunnivera can run well and he's the third or fourth choice in the exactas, um, that portends maybe some value in the trifecta as well. And he would be a horse I'd be willing to, you know, win with, even if always dreaming were to win. But um, I know we, we said we wouldn't get into to pick, so don't consider this on the spot. But are you leaning to, to sticking with your derby winner at Pimlico or um, are you going to go elsewhere on top? Yeah, and I'm thinking, too, just one more point. And I think the the Black-Eyed Susan uh, Preakness double, <laughs> since I'm upset that I didn't play the uh, the Oaks Derby double, I, I like Torrent and I like Summer Luck as my two picks in the Black-Eyed Susan. So I'll probably play doubles to Always Dreaming and then lesser doubles to Classic Empire using those two. I think Torrent will be a big price. I think Summer Luck will be... You know, she's morning line five to one. She might be a little bit less than that. But, yeah, I mean, I'm going to go with always dreaming. I'm sticking with him. I think he's a machine. I think he bounced out of the Derby incredibly well. I think he's well-suited to Pimlico. And I think he's got to beat Classic Empire. And Classic Empire will give him more of a run for his money than he did in the Derby, uh, circumstantially, if they both get fair trips. And, you know, racing can really use a rivalry, and we haven't had one in a long, long time, a legitimate rivalry. So, you know, if Classic Empire beats Always Dreaming and it's a great race as a fan, even if I'm throwing tickets away, I'm happy because, you know, I want to see a rivalry in the three-year-old division and potentially, you know, in a race like the Breeders' Cup Classic later against Arrogate, you know, with, with two legitimately good three-year-olds. You know, I, I just think it makes – it, it, it makes for good horse racing. It makes for good um, watching as a fan. You know, you root for these kind of matchups and these kind of uh, dream races that you get a chance to see. So, you know, I'd like to see a rivalry, but yeah, I'm going to go always dreaming classic empire, probably conquest more money for third, maybe hence. Uh, but those are the horses I'll be focusing on. Yeah, and good point about the the multi multi day uh, doubles. Uh, I think for the big days, part of considering how to wager is knowing that there actually is a lot more casual money than a typical day or weekend at the races, and knowing where that money goes uh, to to take advantage of it uh, is a part of successful horse playing, and you know for better or worse, for me, as someone who loves the pick four and pick five, that's not where that money goes, uh, whereas it absolutely is in the, the two-day double. People do like that bet. Um, it's in the exactas, the tries. You know, people know those bets and play numbers or, you know, just they're in those pools, and it, it's, it's, it's not as smart money for sure, so... Um, you layman admitting the Oaks Derby double and uh, yeah, another opportunity this week with the black eyed season, Susan Preakness. Yeah. Looking forward to that. I mean, the black eyed Susan card looks pretty solid. And like you said, you've got opinions in a lot of these different stake races outside of the black eyed Susan, even the Preakness. And uh, you know, on Derby day, Ed, and you know this, I mean, it's really hard for me to focus on wagering, on Oaks Day or Derby Day, because I think you really need to take the time 
to map out your tickets, map out your strategies. And a day like this for Black Eyed Susan and Preakness Day, you know, I'll be able to better construct pick four, pick five tickets uh, potentially, um, you know, just because I have, I'll have the time to do it. And the time when you're rushing betting and you're like, oh, I'll throw this horse in. Oh, I'll throw that horse in. And, and you're not really focused on maximizing your bankroll or strategizing your ticket. Uh, it, it's a, it's a huge disadvantage. So again, you know, no matter what your opinions are, take the time to put them to good use, I guess, is uh, the moral of that story. No, I agree. And that that's uh, always something I tell myself. I'll take better care of Derby Day. And, uh, you know, as, as you know, the day can get away from you. And uh, there's a lot of races. And, uh, you know, this year I, I tried to focus on the, the races I felt strongest about and not feel like I, you know, I had to be in every pool um, so, you know, getting better at that, but, uh, Preakness will be a little calmer and, and hopefully, uh, have some good opinions throughout the weekend. Uh, and anything else, uh, going into to Preakness, uh, it was, a, it was a good derby. So I'm sure you're hopefully feeling some positive momentum. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a huge part of it too, is not playing scared, you know, not, not betting money that you can't afford to lose. It should be an investment, not a gamble, and there is a difference. You should be investing, trying to uh, make a positive score, investing based on your opinions and not just gambling to gamble, although you can win money that way too. But you're right, Ed, when you, when you win money in the Derby, uh, you feel a little bit better about sending it in a little stronger in the Preakness if you have opinions that dictate such. So, you know, like I said, I pretty much talked about my strategy for the Preakness with you know, being very focused on hitting the try and or the super many times. And, uh, you know, all things considered, I'm going to stick to that. Well, and we will get the uh, the final report uh, from you on, on Saturday. Uh, a lot of eyes will be on Pimlico, but uh, definitely uh, give some eyes to the Churchill signal. You and I will, I'm sure, mention uh, the Preakness as we get through the Churchill card as well, but uh, yeah, looking forward to, to hearing the final selections and uh, the plays and such. Uh, yeah, for me, I'm going to, you know, as I said Monday, sticking with Classic Empire, the heaviest lean, but, uh, you know, we'll we'll see the draw and how the field looks on, on paper from the rail out and see where I want to lean elsewhere. But, uh, you know, I, I do think if you have a strong opinion and you're right, these are the type of races where, uh, like you said, maybe it's not a big score, but you, you can say, hey, that was easy, and it's still, you know, 3 4x uh, return on your investment. And, um, you know, the other thing you mentioned I thought was right, investment, not a gamble. Uh, you know, certainly race to race, you're gambling, anything can happen. Uh, but longer term, we've put so much time into these horses, and that doesn't mean you're going to be right. And I wasn't right on the derby, but, you know, if, if you can't have – conviction on this race, uh, you know, months of looking at these horses and talking about it, um, then, you know, what, what race will you? So, you know, back your opinion. Um, don't be afraid to. And, you know, some of us will be right. Some of us will be wrong. Oh, dude, you've been right many, many, many other times in different instances. And obviously the Kentucky Derby is the most high profile race and we put the most time into it. But, uh, you're, I had a long, long stretch of in, 
of, of missing not only the winners, but not cashing tickets. And, um, you know, it's, it's just one of those, one of those things in the grand scheme of things, it's just another race, but it's not obviously because of the 20 horses and the opportunity. And it's a race that you want to be right on, but, uh, Pretty soon we'll be talking about Road to the Derby 2018, scouting these two-year-olds all over again. And, uh, you know, no one can say that it's not fun doing that and uh, waiting for that first Saturday in May every year. Well, I would uh, – I, uh, I look forward to your first top ten for 2018. I'm surprised yours isn't up yet. Yeah, I, uh, I just I figured since I was so wrong in the Derby, it would have looked bad. Like, oh, you know, trying to to whitewash his his picks from the the page. So I, I'm gonna wait until after the Belmont. There you go. Well, yeah, I mean, we'll have two year old racing heating up before you know it, and it'll be a fun Triple Crown ride. And always dreaming is able to win the Preakness. Then, uh, you know, the eyes of the world will be on the Belmont, and uh, there's nothing wrong with that. Just happened a couple of years ago, but uh, it would only be the second time since 1978. And uh, if he wins the Preakness, obviously he'll be deserving of of having that shot in the Belmont. Uh, Because like I said before, I think he's a special horse. I think he bounced out of the Derby great. And I think he'll run huge on Saturday. And if uh, Classic Empire or somebody else is going to beat him, uh, they're going to have to run the race of, uh, of their life to do it, I do believe. So, It'll be fun drama as always, and uh, hopefully we'll be going back to the to the teller to collect when all is said and done. All right, sounds good to me. Uh, well, uh, I'm sure we'll talk to you uh, certainly in person this week, uh, but heading into the Belmont, uh, hopefully run this back and get some of your time then. So really appreciate it. All right, cheers, man. We'll uh, we'll see you Saturday. All right, thanks, Joe Christofek, everyone. Uh, He'll see me Saturday. You'll see him uh, as early as tomorrow uh, when Churchill Downs Live Racing returns for Preakness Week. Uh, And we'll be back tomorrow with selections uh, for the race and actual wagering strategy with program numbers and such. Uh, So looking forward to that. It's been the How to Bet the Preakness Stakes podcast. Appreciate everyone listening. Take care.